Well, good morning. To catch my breath. Some of you are wondering why I have a tie on, and it could be because of the baby dedication. could be because my mother-in-law is in town. Either way, it's here. So, that actually was a question asked by one of our greeters. Um, we've been looking at God's wisdom in our life this summer. Because I know the reality is many of you are traveling, have traveled, or will travel. So it's hard to continue just a study through the book, except Proverbs. Proverbs is an excellent book to give us wisdom. And it's also an excellent book because one proverb will say, this is how you live your life. One proverb will say, this is how you watch your mouth. So it's, there's discontinuity in the Proverbs, but yet that helps us during the summer. So we have been journeying together as a church, asking the Lord to give us wisdom this summer. So today we're going to look at this question, how can we have wisdom in our relationships? Now, we are not going to look at romantic relationships, husband, wives, if you're in a dating relationship, if you're just by yourself, say, I don't want to think about romance right now, I just want to um, serve the Lord. That's a wonderful path, by the way. But we're not going to look at any of that, we're just going to look at our day-to-day relationships, neighbors, coworkers, drive-through, grocery store and how the Lord can impart wisdom into us. And really, I've kind of centered the points today around advice your grandmother would give you. So we're going to look at what the Bible says, but they are worded in a way that you could see your grandmother or great-great-grandmother sitting around the table saying, son, this is how you live. Okay, so it'll make sense shortly. I just want to say this, though, before we start. Your grandmother was probably right. Um, the Bible is very clear in our relationships Our friendships and relationships are never neutral. They are never neutral. We are either bringing people to the Lord or they are bringing you away from him. That's important because some of us just believe, well, we can have relationships and I'm going to enter into this partnership in a business. I can do this and it's not going to affect my life. That is not biblical and is not godly and is not righteous. That might be what the world tells you, but it's not what God's word tells you. So let's, let's throw that misconception out, outside to the wind. So relationships are not neutral. And if they're not neutral, then our goal is this, God, we want to have wisdom. And if you were here several weeks ago, we know that what is the beginning of wisdom? Proverbs chapter one, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So really you don't have wisdom if I don't fear the Lord. So if you are in a relationship that that person you're in a relationship, friendship, if they don't fear the Lord, they're not bringing wisdom in. So that means it's your job to push them towards Jesus Christ. That's important because if they're not a believer, they're not going to push you to Jesus Christ. So may we dive deep into being wise. May we drink from the fountain that is Jesus Christ today. So I'm asking you, are you teaching others to fear the Lord in your relationships? Let's pray, Father, you are holy and righteous. Lord, we're not. Father, we just need wisdom in how to live. Lord, we need wisdom in who to enter into business partnerships with. Lord, we we need wisdom in how to speak. Father, we need wisdom in how to love. Lord, we need wisdom in how to honor people in our relationships. And Lord, we need wisdom in how not to become angry, irate. So Lord, we just desire today that you fill us full of your glory and your grace. 
And Lord, we know that if we seek you, if we honor you in our relationships, we know that many people will come to faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we read your word today, if there is someone here right now that has not put their trust in you, Lord, I pray that you will make them so uncomfortable that they will listen to the answer, to the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Lord, we just desire for you to fill this room up with your blessings, overflow us with your mercy, and Lord, make us wise unto salvation. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Proverbs 15. Proverbs chapter 15. So biblical wisdom one for your relationships. Biblical wisdom number one. Things your great-grandmother might teach you. A silent mouth is sweet to hear. A silent mouth is sweet to hear. Some of you parents are chuckling, but you probably said this to your kids. Boy, hush your mouth. Okay. Your grandmother wouldn't say that. She would say a silent mouth is sweet to hear. And you say, well, why did you say that? Look at Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A silent mouth is sweet to hear. We need to be people who watch our mouths. We need to be people who watch our tongues. Why? A soft answer turns away wrath. So this, this is what God's word tells us about our relationships and, and our, your mouth and my mouth and our relationships. My mouth has the power to change my relationships. The, a, a silent, a soft word does what? It, it can change people. It can change anger. It can change wrath. So what you say matters. Jesus said it in another way. He says, from the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. And you know, I'm a pastor. If you didn't know that, by the way, I'm a pastor here. And sometimes people will come around me and they'll cuss. And if they have a friend by them, you know what their friend tells them? Don't do that. That's the pastor. Right? Some of you are guilty of that. Not the cussing, the other part. Um, and, and, and I kind of elbow that person because here's why. If, if, if they tell me that, then I know their heart. And ultimately, our mouths aren't the central issue. It's the heart. And so I want you to begin to think about this morning what you say and what you do in relationships. A gentle word turns away anger. Why is that important? Because we know, as we're going to see shortly, that anger does not lead to righteousness. James 1.20 says, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So if I'm angry, I know that that anger does not lead to righteousness. And some of you might be saying, well, Jesus was, was angry and righteous. Yeah, but I'm not Jesus. And you're not either. So it's hard for us to separate that. Well, I'm going to be wrathful because of God and not because of selfish motives. Because we're all natural men. So watch your mouth. Why does that matter because your mouth leads other people in the right path or it leads them in the wrong path. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, Proverbs 15, verse one, 
A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up. So let's, we're bad, but so let's talk about that word. A harsh word actually means in the Hebrew, it's a word of pain. Have you ever had someone come up to you and say this? I shouldn't tell you this, but don't do it. Don't, right? Anything coming after the butt is not going to end well. So if you, if you say to someone, I shouldn't tell you this, that's God letting you hear what you're saying and hopefully your heart will catch that and say, Josh, don't be a fool. Fools gush like geysers. Wise men are fountains of refreshment. And so God's word says with our mouth, do not give words of pain and be careful that do we, not, we do not stir up anger. And if we're honest, it's easy and convenient and fun to be pot stirs. That is not godly, which means that is sinful. So if you like to stir the pot, and I don't care if it's at a message board, I don't care if it's on Facebook, I don't care if it's on Twitter or Instagram, I don't care if it's in prayer meeting. It is not godly. And sometimes we use the church as an excuse to stir the pot. I'm speaking, I'm speaking not against you. I'm speaking against me too. Sometimes we give prayer requests. Hey, do you know, do you pray for so-and-so? I, let me tell you what he did. No, no, that's not godliness. Which is not of God, it's of, it's of sin, it's of destruction. Because the Bible is very clear, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, a word of pain does what? Stirs up. And what's it gonna stir up? It's going to stir up anger. We must be very careful what we do with our mouths. And we have been far too content for far too long as churches to let our mouth run loose. Watch our mouth. Can you imagine if everyone sitting here today said, I'm going to guard my mouth and use it for righteousness. Can you imagine how much that would change the community? Can you imagine what the community would say about this church? Man, I can't stand that church. Why not? They never speak ill of anyone. I've never heard a single person gossip. There's not a single pot stirrer in that place. Can you imagine the testimony? If we all committed today, I am not going to stir the pot. And I'm gonna do that for the glory of the Lord. A silent mouth is sweet to hear. Why? Look at verse two. Soft answers turn away wrath. Harsh words, words of pain stir up anger. And the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Now the word in Hebrew is, is, it really means blurt. And it's, it's a word that rarely means anything good. This word is almost used for something bad. And it's really a word that one commentator said it this way, that it's a word that really means to spew like a geyser. Think about that. One of the most famous geysers we have in our, in our states is Old Faithful. I remember Casey and I had the opportunity of seeing Old Faithful, was it five years ago now? Maybe longer than that. Um, and uh, I remember before we went, my grandmother told me a story about my grandfather who's no longer living. Um, but he was sitting at Old Faithful and he was waiting for Old Faithful to blow. And he got tired because actually it can take 45 minutes or an hour and a half to in between 
the steam to build up and the water to erupt. And so my grandfather, there's a, there's a gift shop because we're in America, we put gift shops everywhere. Um, and so there's a gift shop. So he went to go get ice cream at the gift shop at Yellowstone. And as soon as he went, turned his back and was in line getting his ice cream, guess what happens? Old Faithful went off. And so he missed it. And he, and he didn't have the patience to wait again. Um, and Casey, it's just a wonderful, it's a wonderful geyser. But if we're not careful, we do the same thing. We are people who go to others because we know their personality. We know if I poke them with a stick long enough, they'll spew. And we, we are people at Yellowstone that say, let's go get our ice cream. Let's sit and watch the geyser erupt. That is not godliness. It's not. It is sinful. And if that is your personality, if you are witty and you, are, and you feel like your spiritual gift is sarcasm and wit, there are times for that. But there are also times where you say, you know what? There's anger building and I'm not going to, I'm not going to add. And I come from a very sarcastic family and I, I have to reel myself in sometimes because there's nothing good in that in moments. You say, well, well, my spiritual gift is wittiness. It's being quick with my mouth. Yeah, but you know what happens when you just bubble forth? Look at verse two. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of Fools, that's not my word, that's God's word. The mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Are you a geyser or are you a spring? Because God's word says in verse four, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. It's a tree of life. So as you think about your tongue this morning in every single relationship you have, is your mouth in that relationship, is it a tool for the Lord or is it a tool for harm? Because if you are quick to speak, if we're quick to erupt, that only leads to foolishness and only leads people away from Jesus Christ. Proverbs 18 says it this way, a gossip's words are like choice food that goes down to one's innermost being. Gossip Words are like choice food that does not, goes down to one's innermost being. That's Proverbs 18, 8. Proverbs 15, 4 again says, a perverseness breaks the spirit. That's, that's a word for gossip, rumors, innuendos. Rumors are, are things that you say both that are built on uncertain facts. So we're gonna, we're gonna get messy here. So we've already talked about sarcasm. We've already talked about people who are quick to speak. Now we're talking about gossip, pot stirring, and we, we don't tolerate gossip in our lives often, so why do we allow it to run rampant in, in Christian faith families? Gossip and rumors are things that are based on uncertain facts with the intent to harm. Now, if we went to the doctor tomorrow and, you're, and you, you look sick and you go to the doctor and the doctor comes in and says, Josh, I have really bad news. I'm not gonna run any tests. I don't need any facts. I just feel like it's not good. You're gonna die this afternoon. What do you mean? I, I have nothing to back it up. But I just want to tell you, you're, you're about to die. And he leaves the room. What would you do if that was your doctor? I'm not going to run any tests. No blood work. 
no MRIs. It's just a, just a, I just feel, you know, I just feel you're gonna die right now. You would go get another doctor, would you not? And then if he came in the next minute and said, by the way, I just wanted to see, I just wanna see how you'd react. So doctor, you're telling me you told me that news based on no facts with the only intent is to hurt me. Yeah, basically. That's called malpractice. And you would be at one of those lawyers you saw on the billboard that afternoon. I'm not gonna mention their names, but you know who they are. But why do we do the same thing? Let me tell you about Josh. I have no evidence, but I just wanna tell you this because I know it's gonna hurt him and his family. Shame on us. And not just shame on us, we will be held accountable to God what we say with our mouth. And are you ready to meet Christ face to face and give account of every single word you've said? And if you're feeling uncomfortable right now, I pray that God will just work in your heart that you will confess your sins and find righteousness and lead people to fountains of refreshment and not geysers of hurt. By the way, you can't touch the water that comes out of a geyser because it's so hot, it would burn you. Do not get around people who spew with their mouth foolishness. But the greatest word that the world has ever known was not with any of our mouths. It actually comes from Isaiah 53. Our mouth is powerful. This is Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, seven, listen to this as I read it. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to slaughter, And like a sheep silent before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. Do you know why Jesus Christ kept his mouth closed? That I might find salvation in my day of need. And if anyone had reason to erupt, to spew forth, because he was innocent, it was Jesus Christ. The greatest word the world has ever heard was never uttered. Like a lamb to the slaughter, he was silent that our relationship might be restored because of him. A silent mouth is sweet to hear. And that word that was never spoken is so sweet to our soul. Jesus Christ kept his mouth closed that we might have eternal life. Watch our mouths in relationship. If you need forgiveness because you have hurt someone with your mouth, today is a day that you should start that process. And if you have been hurt by someone and you said, Josh, you don't know what they said to me. I don't, but the Lord does. Offer them forgiveness because we are forgiven by the same measure we forgive others. And you said, well, they're never gonna come to me and ask forgiveness. I don't care because God has given you the strength to offer them forgiveness, whether they never receive it or not. But if their word has cut you to the heart, it's time to let go of that because it will free you for the rest of your life. Jesus Christ shut his mouth for our sakes. May we listen. Our grandmother would say, a silent mouth is sweet to hear. She would also say this, the Bible backs that up. 
You can get glad in the same britches you got mad in. You can get glad in the same britches you got mad in. That is Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. That's my grandmother's translation of this passage. Proverbs 22, verse 24. Watch our mouths in our relationships. Secondly, watch your anger in relationships. Watch your anger in relationships. Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man do not go lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your snow, your, your, your soul. So you can get glad in the same britches you got mad in. What does that mean? That means that anger is a choice. James echoes that. Be quick to listen, not quick to erupt with your mouth, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow then to become angry which God is telling us anger does not lead to righteousness. We are not people who should be commanded and controlled by our anger. Because if we're honest, most of our anger comes from selfishness. Most of our anger starts off like this. Can you believe what they did to me? Is that not where anger comes from? If we're really honest, it might start off, I can't believe that they did that to you, Lord. But then it quickly turns into, I can't believe they said that to me. Lord, how, how would you let them do that to me, Lord? And that becomes anger. The Bible says what? Do not make friends with an angry man. Does that mean you cut off every relationship? By no means. Jesus Christ tells us that we are to be salt. We are to be light in a dark world. But the reality is this. If you continue to leak arms with people who are angry, that will not lead you to what God wants you to be. It will not. So the best thing for you, if you are in a relationship with partnership, neighbor, that might be difficult. Um, but if you have close friendships with people who are constantly angry, separate yourself, pray for them, lead them to righteousness that God may restore that. Proverbs twenty two twenty four. make no friendships with an angry man and with a furious man, do not go. Why? One man once said it like this, anger is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to get hurt. Anger is like drinking poison and letting, wanting someone else to get hurt. Anger does nothing but destroy your soul. And if we are constantly linking ourselves to people who are angry, let me just say this, by the way, it's not in my sermon notes, if you look at those online later. If you have close friends that drink, and when they drink, they become foolish, or then they become angry, there is nothing funny about either of those. That is not godliness, and we should not encourage that because we just kind of live in a world where if you, if you drink, if you do things that are foolish, then it's okay. And I'm gonna encourage that, but it's not godliness. That leads to anger that is destructive and it leads to things that are not of God. Do not link arms with people who are angry. Make no friendship. Why? Verse 25, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your May we not be foolish to think, well, I can be friends with that and it won't, it won't affect me. 
Because God's word is confronting you face to face saying anger will be quickly learned and it will set a snare for your soul. Why does God not want us to be angry in our relationships? Because anger is the opposite of our heavenly father's nature. So when we are angry, we are, we are living opposite of what God's nature is. Psalm 103, 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and rich in love. So when you are angry, you are modeling something that God is not. And I am so thankful that God is slow to anger because that means he is slow to anger towards me. I love that song in Christ alone about anger and wrath. It says that, that on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. That our sin incurs the wrath of God. And Proverbs says, do not link arms with that. But Jesus Christ, when he knew that God was wrathful towards us, said, I will stand in your place because Jesus knows that when God is wrathful towards me, I have no hope. I'll be like straw consumed by the fire, his word says. Are you quick to anger? If you are, know that God can heal that. And if you have hurt someone with your anger, know that God can heal that and it needs to start today. Ask forgiveness from the one who can offer it. Watch your tongue in relationships. A silent mouth is sweet to hear. You can get glad in the same riches you got mad in. We also see this. My grandmother told me this years ago and now the Bible reminded me of it. Proverbs 15 again. We are to be kind in our relationships. We are to be silent in our relationships. Watch our tongue. My grandmother always told me, eat your vegetables. Eat your vegetables. Nasty vegetables. Sorry, if you don't like vegetables, here you go. Proverbs 15, 17. Better is a dinner of herbs. Some of your versions might say greens or vegetables where love is and a fatted calf with hatred. Better is a dinner with kale and kindness than a dinner at Texas de Brazil with your enemy. Some of you guys are like, there's no way. Yes, yes. Think about that. We need to be people who have love in our life. First Corinthians 13 says, if I even surrender my body to the flames and have not love, it has profited me nothing. So we are to be people who live with love in our life. Better is a meal with veggies and love than the best bacon and hate. Why, is, why are vegetables important? Why, why would my grandmother, why would your grandmother say, eat those veggies? And I, by the way, I love vegetables. Casey would tell you, I'll go to, we'll go to Cracker Barrel and I'm ordering the vegetable plate. And I don't want potato chips or French fries are not vegetables. Give me the cabbage, give me the collard greens. And if you have mustard greens, add that too. Give me the greens. Because vegetables, if you look it up, are good for your digestion. They're good for your health. They're nourishing. That's the same way love is in our relationships. You cannot have a healthy relationship if you are not a person of love. We should be characterized by our love. 
I love that proverb, better to have vegetables and love than the choicest calf and hate. We are to be people as a church, as the body of Christ. As vegetables are good for our body, so is love good for the body of Christ. And just just look around the room real quick. I had a pastor tell me one time, the only reason some of us would ever meet and have anything in common is because we have the love of Jesus Christ. I, I love that picture. If it wasn't for Jesus, some of us would never meet. But thank God for the love of Jesus Christ. They are like vegetables to our soul that nourish us and make us strong. Are you characterized by your love? And in your normal relationships, are you characterized by your love? Christians, we should be characterized by our love. You will know that they are disciples by their love. Eat your spiritual vegetables. And if you have to choose, do I help? Do I love someone or do I not? The choice is always love. But pastor, they're gonna take advantage of me. Love them. It's better to be taken advantage of and you love them to heaven than you stick up for yourself, say, I'm not gonna do this, and they go to hell. Well, so pastor, that's not very good to think of. I would rather them walk over me at points and God protect me and they see my love. Then I say, I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna be stiff. I'm gonna be rigid. I'm just not gonna love you right now. This is not the right time. And I lead them in paths of destruction. Eat your vegetables this summer. Love, love, love others. And lastly, I wanna close with this. My grandmother always told me, respect your elders. Respect your elders. You say, well, where, where do you get this from, pastor? I'm glad you asked. Proverbs 22. Respect your elders. Now, if you are the elder and you're thinking this is gonna be really good, just wait, just wait. We're, we're coming. If you're not an elder right now, get ready. Proverbs 22, 28, respect your elders. Do not remove the ancient landmark where your fathers have set. Do not remove an ancient landmark that your fathers have set. Now, what what they would do in biblical times, this, this had to do with marking the land. So when God allocated the land, the forefathers would set major stone pillars and that way they would know where their plot of land was. So God is reminding the people, he warns us against betraying the past. Now we need to hear that in society. Do not betray the past. We should be people that are honoring those that have gone before. That we honor those that have gone before. Why? Because we stand on the shoulders of those spiritual giants that have blazed a path for us. The fifth commandment says, honor your father and mother as unto the Lord. If you do, you will have a prosperous life. You will live long in the land I have given you. By the way, that is not a command given to toddlers. The 10 commandments were given to adults. How do you know that? Because one 10 commandment says, do not commit adultery. I haven't set my, my four-year-old down and said, Eli, I just want to let you know, you know what? I don't want you to commit adultery. 
Because really, frankly, we're not ready to have that talk yet. I mean, we're just not. I mean, I'm not. Maybe, you know, Gase, it's all yours. But why is that important? Because often we take that commandment out and we say, this is for kids. No, it's for adults. We are to honor our father and mother and we have lost our honor in society. My generation, I'm just gonna speak because I I can speak for my generation. We have done a horrible job in honoring those that have gone before. And the Bible warns us against removing honor and glory for those that have gone before us. Do not remove those spiritual landmarks. So just a way of application there. If you, if you have mentors in your life, your grandparents, your parents, that you have not called and thanked, said, look, thank you for being a godly example. Call today. Call today. If you are the elder, the reality is that sometimes we fail to leave good landmarks. Because sometimes in the church, we've left landmarks like this. Some, I had an old timer give me directions one day in Louisiana. I said, I need to get to so-and-so's house. He said, here's how you get to the house. Drive on this highway till you see a cypress tree. Yes, sir. But ignore the cypress tree, keep going. Okay. When you see the old beat up barn, you take a left. Okay. When you see the old man that's usually outside sitting on his front porch, then you take a right. You keep driving five miles, and when you, see the, when you see the red door, that's the house. If you take that route every day, that, those are great instructions. If that's their first time, those are horrible instructions. So where do you get in that, Pastor? Often in churches, we've left a legacy of landmarks like this. Well, if you go to a church that doesn't have a pulpit, you should leave. If you go to a church and they don't have pews, they don't believe in God. If you go to church and they don't sing this hymn, they're not really what God wants them to be. And let me just speak. I've spoken for my generation already. If those are the landmarks, the only landmarks we have, we are going to be disenfranchised with the church because we know very quickly those are not good landmarks. You know what I want people to teach me to do? Don't tell me the old cypress tree because it's going to fall down one day. Don't teach me about the old barn because it's going to rot. Don't tell me about the pews because one day they're going to fall in and the hymnals because one day they're going to get lost. Teach me how to navigate by the sun. Because I can look up and no matter where I am, I can say, when it's there, I need to take this right. And when I see the light of the stars at night, I know where to go. Leave landmarks that will last. Leave landmarks that, hey, grandson, ground your life in God's word. Because when the pews fall in and the hymnals get lost, and when the grass withers and the flowers fade, the word of the Lord will last forever. And we have done a poor job, elders, of leaving good landmarks. And we wonder why we have generations that don't know what God's word says because we haven't left good landmarks. And so if you are an elder today, I just want to challenge you to leave good landmarks for your family. That can start today. 
because you have this right. If you're a grandparent or parent, you have every right to call your kid up and say, I just want to tell you what God's done in my life. Just speaking from personal experience, if my grandparents call me up and I'm mowing the grass, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop mowing and I'm going to listen because they deserve my respect. Do not remove landmarks of the elders. Elders, do not leave temporary landmarks to those who come behind. And one day, if another tornado comes and this building is no more, I pray this community can say, you know what? The building's not here, but yet we can worship because of the landmarks this place has left and the landmarks that can't be removed because they taught us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. Wisdom in our relationships, respect your elders, honor, glorify Jesus Christ. Eat your vegetables, leave a legacy of love. You can get glad in the same riches you got mad in. May we not be people of anger. And lastly, a silent mouth sometimes is so sweet to hear. May we be people who watch our tongues. You know, we've been seeking to have relationships and wisdom in that. The greatest relationship that you have, though, is broken. Your relationship with God from day one because of your sin was broken. And it's nothing that God did and something you did is called sin. So we don't start as children of God and sometimes that goes awry. We start as children of wrath and in Jesus Christ, that wrath of God was satisfied. So if you are here and you are living in a broken relationship with God, I just wanna share this. Ultimately, if we remain in our sin and we fail to reach out and grab the salvation that is so sweetly offered to us, that road will lead to hell and an eternity away from Jesus Christ. But the Bible said this, that God so loved the world. In our brokenness, he sent his only son that whoever might believe would have everlasting life and not perish. I love how the God's word says that he, he doesn't just love us, but he so loves you. And that, that means really, really loves us. So when, when you were hateful towards God, he loved you. When you were in rebellion and sin is rebellion. When I was living in sin while I was still a sinner, Christ Jesus died for me. God is not waiting for you to clean your life up before you believe because you will never get to a point where you are clean enough. But when you are dirty, God sent his son for you. That if you believe, if you confess with your mouth, if you follow the narrow path, you will be saved. And if you're here today and you're living in a broken relationship with God, a life void of hope, void of purpose in your life, you can only found that in God. Seek him confess your sins, believe that Jesus died for your sins, three days he rose again, and he will change your life. If you are here today and you are living in a broken relationship with someone else, God's word says, if you know that your brother has something against you, you leave your sin at the altar, you leave your offering and you go make restitution. 
And so if you've hurt someone because you have not loved them like you should, if you've been vile with your mouth, if you've been a geyser and not a fountain of living water, I just, I'm just gonna ask you to come to the altar and lay that down and begin to mend those relationships. Maybe you're on the other shoe and someone has hurt you. And you say, I can never forgive them. Yes, you can with the strength of Jesus Christ. Lay that down today and find rivers of life that flow from the throne of God. Won't you respond to the Lord? We seek relationships that are full of wisdom and the wisdom is found in the fear of the Lord. Let's pray, Father.